0: Back to creative chit chat. Um, yeah, I'm Ryan McLeod, and this is the long-awaited uh, 99th episode of the podcast. Um, yeah, welcome. I suppose, I suppose a lot has changed since um, since the last time I sat in front of this microphone, and um, and to be honest, I don't really want to dwell on that too much. For me, um, this is an episode to celebrate the last 98 episodes of the podcast and to reach this real sort of milestone and to say thank you. Um, I think that that that's the first thing I want to do is to say thank you to, to everyone who's been involved. So whether you contributed your story, your journey, whether you... Um, have sat in front of the microphone and contributed in any sort of way um, or you've just been listening um, thank you Um, the podcast would literally be nothing without you I can't see people having listened to 98 episodes of just me so thank you for being part of this for making it what it is um, and for helping me to sort of share the, the stories, the thoughts, the journeys um, of creatives connected to Dundee for the past sort of, it's nearly four years now. I looked back and it's, yeah, it was something like the 8th of November 2016 that I started the podcast. Um, so yeah, nearly four years of doing this. Obviously 99 episodes um, and well over 100 people who who have contributed and been part of it. So Thank you to everyone. I thought I'd start with some statistics. Everybody likes um, some stats. You might have noticed the the new intro music, the special 99th episode uh, intro music, which, uh, yeah, it was a bit of fun. I thought I was actually listening back to a bunch of the um, the catalogue of episodes just to remind myself of some of the conversations that I'd had. And I was listening back at like double speed and thought, oh, maybe I should create a sort of um, a drum and bass edit for the ninety ninth episode. So, so yeah, I did it. Um, yeah, let me know if you like it. I might just just keep that for the for the foreseeable future. Um, but we'll see how we go. Um, yeah. So as I said, I'll, I'll do some sort of statistics um, of the podcast. So as I said, yeah, over a hundred people um, chatted to. The most popular name on the podcast is Kirsty. So we've had four Kirsties. Stevens, Thomas, Thompson and Maguire, in uh, order of appearance. And well, technically, um, the most popular name, as in full name, um, is Colin Gray, because we've had like, two of them on the podcast. Also, I mean, so we're up to, I mean, nearly at 30,000 listens, I think we're like 28,000 something um, listens, which, I mean, is, is absolutely phenomenal if you told me that. Um, Four years ago, that's where we get to. Um, Yeah, I've been overwhelmed by it. And also, so in terms of of numbers, I mean, well, I often get asked, like, what's what's your favourite episode? Um, And I don't ever feel it's fair to have a favourite at all. I mean, so many people get different things out of different episodes. And for me, there's no way I can pick a favourite or a shortlist, or or anything like that. Um, So, statistically, people's favourite episodes, um, I'll give you the top three, um, as they are at the moment. Um, So, in at number three, um, we should probably have some sort of um, nice fancy bed, but I haven't prepared that, sorry. Um, Yeah, in at number three, with 617 listens, is episode number 54 um, with Haley Scanlon. I feel like a bit of a bingo caller. Um, <laughs> so and in at number two with number 25, Colin Anderson is 635 listens. And then way out in front, the top creative chit-chat podcast is number 60, uh, with Richard Cook, who's had 848 listens. Yeah, so statistically those are people's favourite episodes, but I'm sure everyone has their own. Um, before we move on, a couple of the other questions that people sort of ask me, like the, the most popular things I get asked, I thought I'd, I'd maybe just answer them up front. One of them is sort of how how do I pick guests, um, which I'm always kind of conscious about. I, I'm, I sort of worry that I can only bring people into the podcast that I know about. Um, so I like to ask other people, do, do they know anyone who'd be good for it? And then I maybe go away and research them and find out a bit more about them. Um, but I mean, fundamentally, what I'm looking for is someone who's doing interesting, creative things um, that they're cre- connected to Dundee and ideally, as much as possible, um, living and working sort of in and around Dundee and that they'd be good to chat to. Um, though I mean, that's that's kind of it. And yeah, I think it's just just making sure that you have that sort of rapport and that that knowledge. I try as much as possible to, to sort of research and look at sort of a, a balance of different disciplines and try and bring people in who are from completely different things from anything we've done before. I think, like when we had um, the guys over from the the Newport restaurant, that was yeah, it was fascinating to get their sort of perspective on things. And there's there's again there's areas that I'd love to expand into and, and sort of. Um, it more but i mean i'm always open to recommendations for people um if they have ideas of people who who would be great to be on the podcast and i think the other thing i get asked is, is sort of will you ever run out of guests um i think the simple answer is no there's, there's so many brilliant people doing interesting things in the city that i just don't think it's ever going to be the case and i think I mean you'll see from the the back catalogue there's a lot of people who have moved on since and there's not really much you can do about that Um, you just capture that snapshot in time you capture that that journey to that point um and but then there's been an influx of loads more great people um that have come to the city so I think actually picking guests isn't isn't the hard but there there's so many great people out there and there's there's so many people that I'd still that haven't had the opportunity to chat to yet that I'd really like to um so I think more of the challenge is sort of finding the time to to do things okay so let's get into the main bit of the episode if you like um i put a bit of a call out for people so for listeners for past guests as well to basically ask me anything so open the floor to to any kind of question Um, and I got loads loads back Um, and I suppose through this section I'm going to try and answer as as many as I can Um, hopefully with some sort of insight and interest based upon what I've learned in the past four years um, doing the podcast Um, so the way it's going to work is I've taken all the questions um, and popped them into a, um, a randomizer, and I've got an assistant to help me deliver the questions. Do you want to say hello, assistant? Hello. Excellent. Um, well, yeah, let's, let's crack on and see how many questions I can get through. Um, yeah, so here's number one.
1: As we have become insular hermits in an unending pandemic, what now for the creative scene out with the boundaries of our laptop screens?
0: Um So that one is from Ed Broughton. What has amazed me um has been the creative solutions and ways that people have sort of been forced to work or come together um or to use technology um in brand new ways in ways that we never have had to or needed to before um and actually, how we utilize those things going forward I think is really interesting. Um, and how we question the physical versus sort of digital approach to to lots of different things, and, and the way that we do things. And um, although there 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 is a, a much more high dependency on um, the digital aspects of things, we're going to really value that face to face contact. Um, and I, I think it's kind of clear from the last few months um is that th- there's nothing that can replace that and I think that the creative community will, will come together after after all this um and and really value that time that they can spend together in the same room um and hopefully we can go forward with some newly gained skills and knowledge and the sort of digital side of things that can sort of benefit our practice and the community around that. Um yeah. So here's question number two, um, and this is from this is one from Instagram from How It Felt Little debs.
1: Will you keep doing creative chit chat after 110 episodes?
0: Absolutely. Um, yeah, I suppose, I suppose I kind of mentioned this before, but yeah, I totally will continue on. Um, when I start putting out new episodes, I'm not really sure. Um, after this episode i think um i tried to do some remotely and yeah i had some technical issues and yeah i, I missed that face-to-face contact with people so i suppose it's kind of working that out how do i go forward from from number 100 i suppose um and maybe i suppose that uh, that 100 sort of zeros it all out right and i, I st- I start this in a sort of oh, this is the start of the podcast in a whole new world in a, a whole new way that um, things work. So maybe I have to have a bit of a further think about what what I do from from one hundred forward. Because um, yeah, it's it's been. Yeah, it's been tough and I just don't, I didn't feel I was in a good place to do, um, lots of episodes in the, in the last few months and that, um, I, I sort of needed to let things settle, um, in many different ways, um, I, in order to, to give myself the headspace to, to do this episode and then to look forward. Um, and I'm still not entirely sure what, what the podcast looks like going forward. That's something I need to work out and sort of get over the, the technical hitches as well. Um, but Thanks for your question. Um, next one. Okay, so this one is from Lauren Curry.
1: What would you say to the men listening who don't call themselves feminists?
0: Okay. Um so I would I would recommend a book. Um uh there's a, a fantastic book called Invisible Women um by uh Caroline Criado Perez. Um and it it really it really changed the way I I I sort of saw the world and my perception of things and it it really it focuses on how There's a a complete uh, data bias across the world that is skewed massively towards men in the way that we create things, um, design things, um, perceive the world um, and how we've just grown to accept that bias um, and the more that we ignore this, the more ingrained it's going to become in the world. Um, and it's so important that we, we stand up and recognise when that bias exists, especially when we start to look at things like AI um, and they are completely um, male bias or f- white bias. Um, and it, Yeah, it's, it's a phenomenal book um, and if you read that and it doesn't change your perception of the world and make you want to be a feminist, there's something far wrong. Um, so that was the the book's called "Invisible Women," uh, by Caroline Criado Perez, um, and I'd highly recommend it to anyone. It is fantastic. Um, also the uh, the books of Sarah Pascoe, um, are absolutely fantastic. The comedian, um, again, I mean, they're written from a a, a much more light hearted perspective. Um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, really fascinating, um. Mm-hmm. Okay, so the next question comes from Col Gray.
1: How has interviewing all of those guests impacted your working habits and methods? Have you changed them significantly, tweaked some ways of working, or are you still the same Ryan from ninety-eight episodes ago? <laughs>
0: um, I suppose the first thing to say is I'm definitely not the same Ryan. Um. That I was from from ninety eight episodes ago or four years ago. Um, a lot has changed. I mean, I've learned, I've learned so much. Um, from, I mean, from all my working practices, but in particular, the podcast has given me so much. Just, I'm sort of indebted to the people that I've been able to spend an hour of of time just chatting to them about their work, their journeys, um, how they do things. Um, And to get that insight and to get that sort of face-to-face has been like invaluable for for me to just to learn. Um, And I suppose it's this sort of, what's the word, like, um, like osmosis that you just sort of like ingest and soak up all that that knowledge um, and and sort of those experiences that other people have had. And some of them, some of them you you can very much relate to and think, oh, yeah, well, um, they are going through the same struggles they're having that those same realizations um and there's other moments where you kind of go oh well maybe i should have tried that maybe i could look at doing that in my practice and then yeah for sure i mean I, i'm struggling to think of exact examples right now but um I, I the the conversations that i've had have really affected and reassured me in a lot of ways um and made me question things and others um and to be honest like a lot of the the podcast guests I've gone on to um obviously stay in contact with but like then work with or do little side projects with um and that's been fantastic um it, it, the, the podcast has been a great way of of making genuine connections with people um yeah and and that that in itself has sort of been so invaluable and, and um helping me grow like my creative practice as well as sort of helping others at the same time so next question is from Lyle Bruce
1: have you ever asked a question you have regretted
0: (laughs) um yeah totally like so many of them um I think so a skill that I've learned over the like over the course of the episodes has been um I suppose you could call it management of like a conversation like and and then sort of trying to get this ebb and flow that is taking us on a journey to a point um, like the the end of the episode. So kind of roughly 45 minutes to an hour, so I've got to be conscious of that time and uh, in my mind, I have or like on my notes, I have a list of things that I want to, to sort of chat about and cover, and that I know from from the journey that we need to get there. Um, and so I'm constantly trying to just tweak and move the conversation, and ensure that it, it's it's genuinely interesting, and we're we're focusing on the right bits um, that uh, that the guest wants to get out, that that I want to cover, and that I know the listeners will want to hear which is a, a really sort of tricky balance in itself. Um and obviously like I listen back to that's well, maybe not obvious but I listen back to every episode as I edit it at sort of double speed. Um and so I so I hear that conversation for the second time. Um and i mean one thing about that is that it's it's always way better than you ever remember i think every guest goes away and thinks oh i didn't say this i didn't get that across i uh, and, and there's a real frustration and maybe a worry um and it's sort of sort of paranoia and then um i've had a couple of guests who are really worried about the episode afterwards um but then like having given them the recording which i don't normally do but if, if they do ask i would um give them that before I put it out, then, then they're sort of reassured and then go, actually, well, yeah, it wasn't as, as bad as I thought. Um, and so, yeah, to come back to the question, have you ever asked a question that you have regretted? I constantly, like, when I'm listening to an editing, which I, I try and do as little editing as possible, it's really just trying to clear it, like, clean up the audio and make sure there's no sort of glitches in it and any things that... Um, maybe the guests stumbled over or maybe they've coughed or, or, or whatever. It's really just cutting that stuff out. Um so I I then obviously listen back to what I've asked and how I've controlled that conversation. And I at that point I always think of better questions. Um every time. Like every time I listen back to an episode like, oh, I should have asked this. Oh, I should have let them talk about that. I should have done that and forty five minutes to an hour is really not a long time to get a lot in. Um And, like, I'm sure I could do two, three episodes with every guest, easily. Um, So I think I've I've learned to be less precious about missing those opportunities. Because as long as the content in the episode is good, um, then what am I worrying about? Um, But, yes, I constantly... I mean, there's no, like, standout going, oh, I shouldn't have asked that. But... Yeah, I, I constantly question and, and regret things that I maybe should have asked or could have asked or I maybe pushed them in a certain direction. But I mean, that's, that's, that's absolutely a skill I've, I've tried to learn and hone over time is is how to to manage and, and sort of influence that um, flow of a conversation to get through a journey to, to an end point, if you like. Aha! Um, I wondered when one of Sam Gonsalves' questions were going to come up. Um, So this one probably needs to come with a warning that it is the longest question submitted um, for this podcast episode. Um, So thanks, Sam, you win the award um, for the longest question. Thank you.
1: Um, So here we go. In the Old West, jewels were very common as a way to settle disagreements. Given the bloodbath that would occur at each one, the decision was made at a certain point that jewels would only occur with the use of wax bullets. So picture the scene, Guy A says the earth is flat. Guy B responds, the earth is round. So they take it outside, load the wax bullets, count to three and Guy A is quick at the draw, hitting Guy B. At this point Guy B has to walk away and say, well, I guess the earth is flat after all. My question is, are we allowed to judge old-timey people for the complete idiots they were or do we have to respect their instinct to move in a non-violent direction?
0: Okay, and um, so, th- so the question, in case you didn't catch that, um, was, are we allowed to judge old-timey people for the complete idiots they were, or do we have to respect their instinct to move in a non-violent direction? Thank you, Sam. Um. So I, I mean, I've got a few problems with the question to start with. I mean, banding all old timey people as complete idiots—I don't necessarily agree with that. Um, do I respect their instinct to move in a non-violent direction? Yes, I think that is, is progress. Um, I mean, violence is is not going to solve anything, um, and recognizing that. Yeah, just slaughtering people because of their point of view is definitely not a good idea. Um, but I think what this doesn't capture is that it doesn't go far enough. Um, just being shot by a, a wax bullet and then saying, oh, right, okay, well, that I'll just change my point of view then. Well, that, that's not really um, creating a good solution to differing viewpoints. Um, and, yeah, just converting without actually um, going in-depth into anything at all, um, so I don't. Although I respect the the move um, from bullets to wax bullets, um, I still feel like there's massive issues around this whole system of um, creating and um, believing opinions. Um, yeah, and I think old timey people. I mean, it's hard to say exactly what that covers, um, but. I mean, I'm sure there were some pretty smart old, old-timey old people, Um, but yeah. Hopefully that answers your question, Sam, satisfactorily. And on to the next one, hopefully a little bit shorter. <laughs> okay, so this one's actually uh, from an anonymous, so I'm not really sure where this one came from, but anyway.
1: In any
0: design activity, what provokes genuine engagement? Hmm. I suppose genuine engagement comes from interest. Um, If people, if you show people something that is visually exciting, um, something that they've never seen before, um, something completely alien in a familiar space, um, or setting, um, or something that makes them maybe question what they think or know or believe. Um, then I think that, that puts you on a path of, of genuine engagement. You need to make people question things. As I suppose, that uh, and design is, is a part of that, it's questioning the way things exist, operate, um, and are created, and, in a sense. And yeah, I mean, I, I'm always a big advocate for just making things that, that make people smile, or that make them laugh, or that, that make them think, um, and if you can do that with a piece of design, um, then you're doing something right.
1: Do you make a healthy living from your work being self-employed, or is it a continual pile of stress?
0: Um, so that's from fungus burn hip on Instagram. Um, yes, and yes, I think is the answer to that. Um, I do make a living from being self-employed. Um, I, I mean, I don't. I don't from the podcast. Um, I run a design studio with Lyle Bruce called Agency of None. Um, and that's how I earn a living through being a designer. Um, the podcast is, I've never really monetized it or, or I don't earn anything from the podcast. Um, it's, it's purely, I do it purely to, to meet people and make connections and to help share the, the stories and journeys of, of great creatives around in and around Dundee, so um I get way more from it than a, than a sort of financial um reward. And is it a continual pile of stress? Um, yeah, I think it's always going to be that. There's, I think I suppose there's two opposing forces there. There's um, being self employed um has the benefit of complete flexibility, um, so you can decide when you want to work, there is a, a massively freeing aspect of being self-employed, but then at the same time, you um, are reliant on you driving that income, so you need to be bringing in the money to pay the bills. Um, so there, there is that stress, and I think um, it's taken me years to get to a point at which um I'm much more comfortable um with how the sort of I suppose the business operates and how I earn money that's not to say that there aren't um particular times like like right now for example um where maybe projects disappear or they don't necessarily happen and then there's a little bit of stress around how you continue that um income and if you're able, like I think it's a confidence thing, and it's a, a thing you learn over time. I suppose it's this kind of like cruel like, nature of of confidence in itself. It's like you you sort of you need it in order to to get it. So you need a little bit of it to start with in order to to build it and to get more. Um, and it's only once you've actually got it that you can then sort of have have more of it. Um, And it's so that that sort of, it's such a nuanced thing, confidence. Um, And it can affect you in in, in so many different ways, but it's kind of like this, um, I suppose like like a a sort of exponential graph, so that once you get a little bit, you can sort of build that and double it and double it and double it, and then it just, it, it can then grow. But you can take like real knocks so easily, like it could just be not getting that job or like... Um, I don't know, rejection or losing something, or like, yeah, something in your personal life, and that that confidence can can really drop, and then it's really hard to get back. Um, so it is this sort of constant battle, and you you're constantly trying to grow that. Um, and I think that like the the one thing that I found that helps with that is, is just this sort of. The, the fail fast mentality of this idea of just putting things out um, not being scared to have things in the world that, that might go wrong that that people might see and they might not be the best and you might get some negative feedback but actually you just keep going, you just iterate, you create and then you put something else out and you just have this sort of uh, perpetual motion and this. a uh, like I said, for me, it's an attitude where it's like you continue to learn. So you're you're constantly learning, you're constantly developing so that you know that the next thing you do is going to be better. And if you can continue that momentum throughout a career, then that's where the, the, the confidence will come. And then you'll understand every time you take a knock. It's like, right, okay, well, I've dealt with that before. I, I know how to deal with that. I'm going to just move on and move forward and do this next thing and do this next thing and build on it and build on it and build on it. And, on it. Um, and that's how you can sort of get through so yes, it is. an absolutely being self-employed is great. Um, there are so many benefits, but there is an the inevitable stress and the downside. So it is a total balancing act of between self-employment and having a job. Whereas you don't have the flexibility in a job, you you, you can't necessarily set your your vision and your goals as well as you can as a freelancer as a, being self-employed. But you have a much more. I mean things are maybe different now but it was perceived that a, 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 job, a full-time job would have um, a much more stable income so it is more reliable um, so yeah it, it, yeah, it's, it's such a balancing act that there is no perfect solution there is no um, be all and end all it's about finding what, what works sorry that was a, a little bit rambly Um hopefully that did answer the question though Um, Okay, let's get another one.
1: What's your favourite Pokemon?
0: (laughs) So, thank you, um, Graham Thullis, for this question. Uh, What is my favourite Pokemon? Now, to be honest, I was never really into Pokemon as a uh, a kid or growing up. Um, I think uh, I did play it. My friend had it for his Game Boy. Um, I think that was really my only significant interaction and and so I don't have any sort of emotional or significant connection with any particular Pokemon. Um, The only thing that I can think of is that that, that the one that I think is really satisfying to say is Jigglypuff. It's just a nice word, Jigglypuff. Um, So I'm going to go with that, that's my answer. My favourite Pokemon, Jigglypuff. Thanks. Okay, there's another one from Sam. At least this one's a bit shorter.
1: Would you rather all your shirts forever be five sizes too big or two sizes too small?
0: Um <laughs> I'll try and answer this one quickly. Um five sizes too big, easy. Um I mean I'm really not into uh the current trend of like walking into uh, like a, a clothes shop and looking at words like spray on and skinny and in reference to jeans, um, yeah, I'm just yeah, it's it's not for me. A hundred percent, five size is too big. Um, let's go back to the to like the the '90s skater days with gigantic T-shirts and baggy jeans, rather than. Um, yeah squeezing yourself into something two sizes too small that's just not for me (laughs) anyway next question
1: why is creative chit chat so important to you has your life changed because of it and if so how
0: so that one's from Gemma connell um why is creative chit chat so important to me so um The reason I started it was that I was um, struggling and I didn't have a lot of work and I thought it'd be a great way to meet people. And that was a sort of selfish reason for starting it. And it gave me a way of of genuinely having a conversation with with lots of really interesting people in the city and to help me make those connections. But also um, I started it because it was a great way of um, celebrating and promoting and opening up um, the the brilliant creatives connected to Dundee. and it has become this amazing, um, sort of bank of content that people can refer to that you can go, Oh, yeah, we'll just look at this. And, and, Oh, yeah. Oh, I remember ta- chatting to someone about that. Just go and listen to their podcast episode. Um, and it's a great way from people from out with Dundee who have maybe no, no or little knowledge of the city to sort of tap into that. Um and then there's loads of people that they can then go and listen to other episodes about and loads of other interesting people. And it, it has become this really nice repository for for great stories um, and th- this real celebration of creative talent in Dundee. Um, and that that's why I think it's so important. And it's I think the ability to, to sort of share those those stories um, is so important. Like the, the amount we can learn from others. Um, and the amount that we can then sort of change our practices and sort of even just start conversations with other people and and relate to them a lot more than how we sort of perce- like this sort of perception of our perfect life on online is sort of nonsense. Um, but we all sort of post great Instagram shots and and write the perfect tweet and all this sort of stuff, and it's like that's not who we are. That's not what we do day to day, and it's not when you're. Sitting at your desk at 10 o'clock at night and banging your head against the wall because you can't get someone to work or you're worried about something or other. And actually, well, what we should be doing is learning from other people who've been in that situation and learning about how they got out of it, how they dealt with it. Um, and how you can identify those, those potential issues before you get in too deep. Um, and I think that that's why it's so important is that. We can grow. It sounds a bit cheesy, but like we can grow as a creative community by sharing what we know, by sharing our understanding, our experiences, and our knowledge. Like we, like human beings, like we live our lives by our experiences, and I think that's never sort of rung truer with me than the last sort of um, few months. Is that everyone? You create this world view. You create your opinions. Um, you create your uh, the way that you live your life, the way that you conduct your creative practices, all based upon your previous experiences, your knowledge, your understanding, your um, empathy towards others. It's all driven by these experiences that you have. So, the more experiences you, you can draw from, the more perspectives that you understand and appreciate, um, and can empathize with. The the sort of the the better rounded. That you will be. Um, and I think, I mean, social media really does not help that at all because you have this very narrow view from a, a sort of curated feed, um, that is then influenced by all the algorithms in the world as well. So uh, yeah, it's just this sort of horrible thing. So really what we need to be doing is, is learning from, from those around us and having real, genuine, honest conversations. And that's why the, the podcast is so important. Um, to me and hopefully to to others that um yeah that you can sort of draw on that that knowledge and understanding as a as a collective as a city as a creative community as a whatever you want to call it yeah and and yeah absolutely i sort of touched on the has it changed my life yes absolutely it, it's given me that opportunity to sit down with so many people and learn from them um and sort of understand how they they sort of go through those, those processes and how they go through the difficult times and how they, they manage the, the successes that they've had.
1: How do you feel about holding space for people through the podcast and how do you think the podcast benefits those who take part in a creative chit chat session?
0: So th- that one's from Paul Galt. Um, and I think holding space for people through the podcast, um, is a difficult skill. Um, it, it's not one I feel like I've mastered yet. I think I've got massively better at it over time. Um, I, I've listened to um other sort of podcast hosts or interviewers and things like that talking about your techniques where, um, it's really important to just shut up sometimes and just don't say anything. And actually, that silence—like people don't like silence. Um, and more often than not, the guests will fill that silence and continue to expand on their like thought process and as a host, you've kind of got to be more comfortable with that silence, and you've got to know the right times to just not say anything or the right time to go right, okay, well, tell me more about that thing. That's really interesting. Let's focus on that now um and control in that space is is so important, um, and that's what can really help that sort of ebb and flow of the of of the episode. Um, and it's funny, like the the, the things that people say, with, like at the end of of a podcast recording, um, like quite a lot of people talk about it as if it's um, like therapy, and I think it's because you don't. Like, when do you ever sit down and talk about yourself for an hour? Um, it seems like the the concept of that seems so self-indulgent. But in actual fact, like there's so many people who've come out and. Even if I haven't asked that many questions and they've just talked about their journey, they've like, oh, I've never actually thought about that before or I've never really questioned that before or I've never really understood why I made that decision until I thought about it. Um, And actually that it's that process of talking about your experiences and your journey and that sort of self reflection just by talking through a a sort of timeline um, can be so valuable and make you like understand and question and give yourself that bit of sort of perspective on your own journey. Um, Which can, yeah, can be so interesting and valuable and it's really, I mean, it's amazing for me to see someone come out of the session, like the recording session and then be like, I never knew that about myself or I'd never thought of things like that before. And, and that, that's phenomenal. Like that, that's exactly why I'm doing it. So uh, next question uh, is from
1: Hazel White what has someone said in an interview that has stopped you in your tracks and changed how you think?
0: So, I mean, I kind of struggled to think of too many specific examples. Um, There's definitely been parts of conversations where I've sort of stumbled or, or maybe not been able to think of the next question. Um, one of the things that I do think that was really quite poignant and significant was um, a chat with Kevin Sinclair about. We're talking about the creative community and the opportunities. Um, I think around graduates and looking at um, how we perceive ourselves as a city, um, and this idea that like that Dundee is is not made up of big um, creative or design studios. It's it's made up very much of um, small like freelancers or one or two person companies, or um, and the makeup of that is is very different to a city like Edinburgh or Glasgow, um, and I think what Kevin said, I mean, I hope I'm not misquoting them, but um, the the gist of it anyway was that we should be the champions for the for the for the little guy, for the for the freelancers, for the one the two person studios, that. Um, if students want to go and get that experience of a a big design agency or whatever that may be, that there are those opportunities in Edinburgh, Glasgow, London, wherever. But Dundee should be known for the the place to to come and be a freelancer. The the cost of living is low, um, and and it's a sort of easy city to, to get across, to, like the scale of it, the size of it, the connections there are, are great. And it's like, yeah, that, that sort of stopped me when think, well, why aren't we doing that? Why aren't we making it much easier for the, those people to set up? Um, and I, I mean, that chat was a long time ago and I don't think we've really made any steps towards becoming that. Um, and i i don't think it's a particularly easy problem to solve it's pretty complex with lots of different facets to it and it's mean, even more difficult now um but I, i'd still love that as a sort of as a vision as a goal for the city how do we make dundee the place to come and and start a small creative career um or a small creative studio rather um and and yeah and be a freelancer and be this sort of hub for that or this um great community for that um yeah so if anyone has any ideas let me know so the next question um is from sam baxter
1: what do you feel passionate about in your work right now what do you feel passionate about in your personal life
0: Okay. Um. So in in my work right now, um, I would say, I think it, it's looking at in design. I feel there's a real, I've got a real frustration with design. Um, and I mean, I could do a whole episode on this, but it, it I suppose it's. Design is a sort of protected discipline. Um, It's protected behind educational institutions. It's protected behind um, access to equipment and software. And I don't feel that design should be. I feel that design should be open and accessible and there should be way more opportunities for people to get involved in it and that we should recognise as a discipline that there are there are so many people that could benefit from being part of it or understanding design, um, not necessarily even just being designers, just Having those experiences with design or, or like the things we tried to create with the Dundee Design Festival in 2019 and to come and get hands on and create and make and show that, that design is, is something that can be experienced and enjoyed and utilised by everyone. Um, and that's, that's kind of one of my passions at the moment is looking at, well, how do we do that on a much grander scale? How do we take what we learned from last year's Dundee Design Festival and do that 10 times as well and open that up to an audience where people who don't get those opportunities, so people who don't, have never interacted with design or that haven't had those opportunities to do so. Um, And how do we get away from this perception that Design is a, a luxury, or a and something that you need to go to university to study to be part of it, um, or that you need to get the Adobe suite to to actually do it. Um, yeah, and, and in my mind, that's all that's all nonsense, and that needs to change. And that's a massive thing. Uh, um, so, to the second part of the question, what do I feel passionate about in my personal life? Hmm, um. <laughs> Uh, the first thing that springs to mind um so I, yeah on my instagram you might have seen um i own instagram that i've i've taken up smoking meat um so yeah i've been making sort of ribs and briskets and all sorts of stuff um so yeah i've been really getting into that uh and that, i suppose that's become a bit of a passion um about cooking some delicious meat but yeah, that's all I could think of at the moment. Okay. So looking at the time, um, we sort of yeah, I've rambled on for so long now. Um, I've just got I've got sort of a couple of sections left. Um, one of which I've got I've got to say thank you. Um, the award for the most questions submitted has got to go to Barry Robertson. Um thanks Barry. I, I think he sent there's about twenty two questions. Um uh, unfortunately I've not got time to answer them all. Um but I am gonna do a quick fire Barry Robertson round of questions uh and see if I can answer them uh pretty quickly. Um so I've picked out four questions from the list that was sent, um and yeah I'm gonna try and uh answer them quick fire.
1: can personal creative fulfillment be continually achieved whilst working commercially
0: um i don't think it totally can be i think uh some commercial work can uh satisfy like your creative urges and but i think truly you need to be doing side projects you need to be doing other things um beyond that to explore Interests um, to to think that client work will come along that um will satisfy all those needs, those urges is just not realistic. I think you've always got to be trying new things, new skills, collaborating with other people. um Really, to to for me anyway, I would say to to sort of satisfy my creative fulfillment. I mean, that's why I, I one of the reasons I started the podcast. It's one of the reasons why I've done so many different projects because I've been like oh, I'd like to try that thing. Well, let's make it into a project and put it out into the world and see what people think. Um, and so, I, I mean, that for me is the, the best way to do it. That's how I get the creative fulfillment. Um, yeah, it, it's probably completely different for, for lots of other people.
1: Have your opinions on earning a living from a creative practice changed since you attended university?
0: um y- yes. I suppose when I was at university, um, I suppose freelancing, was or just being self-employed, was never really talked about that much, um, but I, I mean, the world of work was never really discussed too frequently either, um, it was really something that you, you worked out on your own and you sort of went and did it afterwards, um, and maybe that's changed now. Um, I think there's always going to be a frustration between education and industry. Um, There's no, like, the the two things exist um, in very different spaces and in very different ways. I mean, there's absolutely ways they could be brought closer together, but, yeah, I I don't see them ever completely aligning. Um, But I think, I mean, university showed me that there's... There's many many ways to make a living from creative practice, um, but it it didn't really go into the the, the absolute realities of that, um, and I think that only came once I graduated and then understood how the actual industry worked and that there was potential for me to start my own creative practice that as a freelancer and then um, by eventually setting up agency of none, um. So, yeah, and I think also the world is very different from when I graduated, which must be like 11 years ago or something like that. Um, I mean, the, the, the face of, of creativity, the, the freelancing and running a small studio is way more prevalent now than it ever was when I was at university. So,
1: In what ways can creativity transform our high streets and prevent further vacant premises?
0: print masses. So yeah what way can creativity transform our high streets? I mean there's so many different ways this can be done but the difficulty is not in the the coming up with the creative ideas for it. I think the difficulty is in the access to those spaces and who controls that. Um, I think the the Dundee Windows project is a really great example of of a collaboration between um, Dundee City Council uh, local landlords and Uh, local creatives and I think it would be great to see far more of that if if you haven't seen the the Dundee Windows project, um, basically there was um, an open call put out to take for uh, creatives to take over window space in the city um, over a period of three months Um, and we as Agency of None put in an interactive light installation into an empty unit um, which sort of brings to life this space at night um, and um, there's been a few other so there's an AR installation um, on Reform Street and a bunch of other uh, windows around about town and it's been a real great way of reimagining those spaces but I think we can no longer look at retail um, as being the, the sole like proprietor of the of the high street we've got to look at how do we create spaces where experience is really important you go and um, have an experience of, of sitting having a coffee um, with, and having a chat with someone but I mean similarly you could use that space for so many different kinds of experiences um, uh, that pull people into our city centres and into the high street um, and I think there needs to be a, a, a radical shake up of how we think about that space but then also you have this ingrained financial model that um that forces us into high profit businesses existing in the city center because they're such prime real estate and that there's a uh, that's massively frustrating because it really restricts what you do that um you can't have one of these spaces unless you're generating massive amounts of profit um and that's not to say that you can't do that by creating really nice experiences um it just needs a lot more thought. And it needs that connectedness of creatives, of local authority and of landlords um, and the, the sort of alignment of, so how can they come together to benefit each other? Um, and that's, that is the difficult bit. Um, sorry, that wasn't the, this has not turned out to be very quick fire, is it? <laughs> sorry, last question from Barry.
1: Can you live without social media?
0: um i'd like to think i could um i don't know i I find social media quite frustrating um i enjoy it as a like a passive activity so just scrolling through the feed and just seeing what people are up to um i think i've actually gone back to to twitter during um the last few months just um i found it a like just reading some of the content and, and sort of not really engaging with anything on it. Just really, just, like there'd been so much great, insightful content. Um, but then sometimes I catch myself just going on it for the sake of killing five minutes when there, there's so many be- so many like more fulfilling or better ways to actually spend my time rather than just scrolling through a feed. But I would like to think I could live without it. Um, I mean, I could definitely live without posting on it. I, I, there's a total um pressure around pro- like self promotion and, and, and those sorts of activities to sort of put keep putting stuff out and growing that audience, and I find it very difficult um to keep up with that and and continually post. I, I just find myself falling away and losing interest or not feeling that the content's good enough. And yeah, I, I just. I find it very difficult to have that drive to use social media to its full potential. Um, Yeah, so the answer to the question is, I'd I'd hope I could. um, But I feel like there's a I'm tied to it from, I mean, from the podcast, it's great for promoting it. And for, um, like, a, a sort of, creative career and business perspective it's like we we need that at the moment because there isn't an alternative um that that works as 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 well or as effectively so it's a great way of of reaching people and and sort of talking about what we do as well so i'd like to think so but probably not in reality is the answer to that thanks to barry um yeah thanks so much for for creating all those questions and sorry I can't answer them all Um, but yeah hopefully that gives you a sort of insight into some of them at least Um, yeah so I mean before I finish up the podcast um, I just wanted to go um, like just to highlight a few things that I've learned along the way um, and some of those sort of commonalities that I see across a lot of um, different guests on the podcast and the sort of those those common traits or behaviours or things that we all do um and just to sort of highlight them and give a little bit of perspective on them, I suppose. Um, I think the the first thing I, I kind of noticed about a lot of the journeys is the the sort of prominence of um like pivot points or turning points. Um, so often people will change career, um, or change a path that they're on. Quite significantly at a certain point in time, um, and sadly, that's often driven by like a negative experience. Um, so maybe like a toxic work situation or a sort of circumstance change, um, and it, they they use that as an amazing pivot to actually go into a creative career. Um, and I suppose it's kind of like it's sad that it can often be a negative situation, but it's kind of like well. How can you identify before you get into those really bad situations that actually maybe a pivot or a change or taking a little bit of risk um, could be really beneficial before that situation gets too bad? Um, and I mean that's a really difficult task, but just kind of I, I suppose it's just something that I've I've sort of observed, um, and like I think the the way to to sort of help alleviate that and help identify that is by having like a really strong support network. Um, and I've seen it from myself and, and from lots of guests having this group of friends, colleagues and like people you work beside even if it's like in a co-working space or whatever but having those people there to help develop ideas to um, sort of test things out on to uh, question your practice to reassure you To um, I mean even like the, the, the issue of, of self-doubt is enormous um, and I know there's been some great um, stuff written on Creative Dundee about it, um, and it can be a massively destructive force um, if you don't sort of harness it and deal with it. Um, it can sort of weed away at you, and I've I've had those experiences, and I I, I, I feel like I've kind of got a little bit under control um, but I still have moments where I real, have real self-doubt um, and I worry about the worth of my work and is it good enough and and I think they're, to be honest, the, the place it comes from is a healthy place because what you're doing is just questioning what you're doing which is a healthy like natural response to creating anything is like is this good enough should I be doing it like this should I be doing it like that um am i doing this for the right reasons did I take the the best approach um and it's that constant question in nature um that you you have as a creative that that drives that um and when it Uh, becomes destructive is because it it sort of gets out of control and you you don't get yourself out of that rut and I think for me what can really help is by um, sort of getting perspective Um, and again that that sort of support network can really help gain that perspective for you and uh, but it's also taking a step back and just thinking about why you made certain decisions and the things the work that you've done in the past and the outcomes and the benefits and okay like every project is never going to be as a success. I mean in third commas. I'll get onto that. Um but yeah, you're gonna have failures, you're gonna have negative moments, but as long as the the overall is positive, then you just have to sort of take some of those on the chin and make sure that you can get out of that the other side of that that dip of, of sort of self doubt. And I'm not saying it's easy, but it is a skill that you sort of develop and learn over time. I think it's just as you have the sort of experiences then you can sort of learn from them and sort of push forward um, I suppose I sort of mentioned on, a touched on success there which has been a bit of a, a running theme of the podcast especially in the sort of earlier episodes um, and I think for me it's really success is about that uh, that drive um, it's about sort of finding that thing that you love and that you're really passionate about and, and sort of grabbing it and developing it um, and that that actually success is is whatever you define it to be. Um, The the point at which that becomes unhealthy is whether the goals that you have aren't relative or relevant to you as a person. um, Just getting by, just surviving could be success. Absolutely could be success, especially right now. Um, And I think you need to sort of define it for yourself. Um, and make sure that it's healthy and it's relevant and i think that's that's the key it has to be tailored to each individual person um, and i think i think it's important that and we don't often talk about this it's like the things don't happen overnight like the this transformation this development has changed like it doesn't we can't build things like careers or communities or cities or, or, or whatever that is it, it all takes time um, and just taking those little steps forward all the time is all you really need to do and then we can just continue to build and build and build it's having that desire and that sort of that, that want to create that sort of perpetual motion to keep moving forward um, I think that's what's what's really important and I think that's what I see um from the, the guests that I've had on the podcast is that there is that, that constant drive to collaborate, to 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 learn, to to try new things, to, to put them out, um and to, to sort of bring more people into the creative community and to, to grow that. Um I think there is a there's a really great quote that was on it was on a Netflix series which I'm gonna not remember the name of. It was something like the Coach's Playbook um and it said that growth happens outside your comfort zone um, and I think that was a really nice sentiment and that we need to all be pushing ourselves beyond that that comfort in order to to keep going to better ourselves, to, to sort of better our practice and, and whatever else. So yeah, I think I'll end the episode there but um thanks very much for making this to the end of this long episode. Um, and thanks for for listening and um to everyone who's contributed and been part um of the the podcast so far thank you very much for that for for everything that you've done um yeah and here's to another 99 episodes <laughs> that's it keep an eye on the Um, social media so it's at ccc dundee on twitter and on instagram it's facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash ccc dundee and i'll um put out the plans for the the next recordings of the podcast um once i work them out um but yeah thanks again bye